Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our team preview series with the Tennessee Titans. So far, have completed the AFC and NFC North. This will be the last team preview from the AFC South as we go through all 32 teams in the lead-up to the 2020 NFL season. So, without further ado, your 2020 Tennessee Titans Fantasy Football Team Preview. Starting off at QB, Ryan Tannehill, fresh off, literally hilariously, unbelievably, one of the most efficient seasons we've really seen from the QB position. I mean, just last year, he was first in adjusted net yards per attempt. You know, factoring in touchdowns, sacks, interceptions to your basic pass attempt, no one was no one was more efficient. He was second in touchdown rate, third in completion rate, first in overall QB rating. Dude was just dicing defenses up, and was the volume there? Absolutely not. He threw at least 30 passes in just four of 13 starts, and we saw in the playoffs in that you know, Ravens win and especially the Patriots win. Guy just didn't need to do hardly anything. Now, to be fair, and, you know, I was someone that initially incorrectly came out and I wondered, he didn't do anything against the Patriots. What is really the difference between Tannehill and Mariota being back there when your entire game through game plan is going through Derrick Henry regardless? And, you know, much smarter people than myself, who I can only hope to learn from more in the future, rightfully pointed out that, hey, look, the way the Patriots were playing that game was to limit the Titans' deep ball attack because they had been so efficient throughout the season. A.J. Brown just tearing apart defenses. I mean, Corey Davis, it seems like the only time Corey Davis has done good things in his career was against the Patriots and specifically Stephon Gilmore somehow. So, you know, they had to pay attention to him. Adam Humphreys, weird bidding war for him offseason. Jonu Smith, a lot of guys to worry about. And because of that, the Patriots were playing, you know, playing the pass and almost daring the Titans to run which they did to be fair Titans only had 14 points before that you know backbreaking pick six so it wasn't like this was the worst strategy in the world from the Patriots but 
even if Tannehill in the playoffs didn't look like you know this great passer, I think the success he achieved in the regular season gave them favorable fronts and schemes for Derrick Henry to attack. So you know, just gotta keep in mind that even having the threat under center can help open up that run game. But I think we kind of already saw this efficiency start to sink a little bit in the playoffs. I mean, with all that said, the dude averaged 4.8, 6.3, and then 6.7 yards per attempt in those three playoff games. Didn't see hardly any sort of a fantasy ceiling there. I mean, hey, the guy was the QB4 in fantasy points per game from week 7 to 17, right when he got the job. He had to be one of the most efficient quarterbacks we've seen to do that. He, he can achieve that. He just did. So we can't say it's impossible for him to do it again. And assuming that this season doesn't go quite as smoothly for the Titans, you know, you could see him have the volume, potentially a volume increase to make up for a slight lack in efficiency. Mostly, though, I'm just selling Ryan Tannehill this year. He's still a run for. He's still on a run. Anyone's idea of a run first offense. He's got a rushing floor. He's a very athletic guy. You know, ex college wide receiver, obviously. But it just we didn't really see a huge rushing floor during his time with the Titans. Not really getting hardly any designed looks. I just think that st- more times than not, they're still going to want to take the game out of his hands in 2020. I'm largely fading Tannehill as a fantasy asset this season. Moving on to running back. The big dog, Derrick Henry, triple crown winner in 2019. How of a list that he joins here. The only other triple crown rushing winners in NFL history have been O.J. Simpson, Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Charles White, Emmitt Smith, Sean Alexander, DeMarco Murray, Adrian Peterson, and now Mr. Derrick Henry. So, fun favorite stat about Derrick Henry in any stat should quantify what we see on film. If a stat is so shocking that you're like, how could that happen? There's a good chance it's a bad stat. It's like when, you know, not I love NFL next-gen stats, but their separation stat says that Jimmy Graham achieved more separation than anyone last year. Hey, I'm sure by what they were deeming separation that that is correct, but let's not use that separation stat as a to denote great receivers when it's saying the best receiver at separation is Jimmy Graham. So that's all I mean. But anyway, this Derrick Henry metric in split is unbelievable because this is his yards per carry by month throughout his career. September, 3.9. October, 3.9. Then we get November, 5.9. December, 5.4. And January, 5.2 yards per carry. It makes sense that someone as beastly and huge and fast as Henry, defenders wouldn't want to tackle him when it gets colder, when they've been, you know, already had played 12 games throughout the season. That has been the case. So Derrick Henry, once things get cold, look the hell out. That is not an easy guy to tackle. And I think the idea that he's this game script dependent back is a little bit overrated. He had at least 16 touches in every single game last season, regardless of if the Titans were up or down. He got the ball 16 plus times. And yeah, he lose he lost snaps to Deion Lewis when they entered negative game script situations, but all in all, play at least 60% of the offensive snaps in 13 of 18 games. Hardly anyone around the league can boast that. I mean, he's pretty much got a Joe Mixon-esque workload with, you know, 20 fewer targets. And I kind of wish they would give him more targets. No, Derrick Henry is never going to be a guy that lines up in the slot, runs some beautiful pivot route that, you know, everyone's rushing to rip off and post on the old Twitter sphere. But you throw him the ball, you get him the open field, good things happen. Among all running backs with at least 50 targets since 2017, only Austin Eckler, Kyle Juszczyk, Miles Sanders, and Kareem Hunt have averaged more yards per target than Derrick Henry. Get this dude two or three screens per game. That's all we're asking. A little bit more than the 1.2 targets per game he had last year. Just two or three. That's all I'm saying. 
So the hidden thing in this backfield, though, I mean, Derrick Henry, we know we're getting there. Absolute monster. He's going to get the ball all the time. Darrington Evans, though, their rookie, is now taking the Deion Lewis role. I don't think it's going to be anything resembling, you know, a standalone worthy role, but Deion Lewis got a three-down, you know, legit workhorse RB role anytime Derrick Henry went down over the years. I don't see any reason to believe that Evans isn't going to get that same role if something happens to Henry. I mean, dude balled out at Appalachian State. Isn't your prototype, you know, three-down back in terms of size, but, like, neither is Deion Lewis. Come on now. So, it's I think right now Evans is the most underrated handcuff in fantasy football. I'm taking him behind, you know, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, uh, even Chase Edmonds, probably even like Boston Scott and Duke Johnson. But in terms of late round dart throws the RB position, strongly consider Evans, particularly, you know, in this type of year where, you know, starting running backs, God forbid, you know, Henry gets COVID on a Saturday or something, but Evans is going to be that guy stepping right up in the role. Very few offenses throughout the league. Can we be confident it's more or less a one-back backfield? I think Tennessee is one of them. Moving on to wide receiver, my guy, A.J. Brown. Ooh, man, it's it's scary, everyone, because, again, you know, we talk about it's all the time in this podcast. Chase volume, not talent. I think A.J. Brown is the exception to that rule. This guy just averaged the most yards per target from a rookie wide receiver, minimum 50 targets in the Randy Moss era. That's 1998 to present. He is the top wide receiver in the PFF database in terms of yards after catch per reception in a single season. I mean, the only guy that came close to what AJ did last year was 2012 Percy Harvin. And even the more amazing part of this, I think uh, fantasy analyst Ben Gretsch uh, brought up this really good point. It's not like AJ Brown had got, you know, these screens or, you know, tap passes that just he guys get those and then because you're getting the ball at the line of scrimmage an eight-yard gain, you know, you're getting massive yak numbers. That's Golden Tate's amazing after the catch, but like we saw him, you know, in Detroit, always at the top of the leaderboard with stuff like that. It can be a little bit skewed sometimes by your average target depth. AJ Brown was getting crossers and just running away from everyone, getting passes in the intermediate areas of the field. And he's just too big and too tough for these cornerbacks and now underside safeties to deal with. He wasn't getting full-time snaps until week 10 last year. And just some of the booms that we saw this dude accomplish in less than half a season of work was just absurd. I mean, four catches, 135 yards, touchdown. Five catches, 153 yards, two, two scores. Eight catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Four catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. That's all between weeks 10 and 17. I understand. Five catches and 64 yards and no scores in the entire playoffs. Hardly ideal. You know, this is not a situation where we should be expecting to get 150 targets. But like Tannehill, even if we get a slight regression in the efficiency, I think the expected volume increase that should come with a great player entering his second year in the offense is enough to warrant continued high-end fantasy exposure to A.J. Brown. I would not be shocked at all if A.J. Brown is a consensus top five wide receiver in this league sooner rather than later. Now, Corey Davis. Is a late career Devontae Parker-esque breakout in the fold? Maybe. They both weighed in and measured at exactly six foot three, 209 pounds back at the combine, which is you know largely meaningless, but I think kind of cool. And somehow, between Davis and Parker, we're talking about the two guys that have made Stephon Gilmore look mortal over the years. I, I'm out on Davis. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be in on Davis if he's hopefully a member of the Green Bay Packers in 2021. You know, let's get this guy to some new scenery. I just don't think there's going to be enough volume in his passing game for Davis or Adam Humphreys to, uh, you know, really provide much fancy relevant value week to week. So moving on, tight end position, Johnu Smith. My goodness. 
We want to talk about efficient. Number two in yards per target among tight ends last year. Number eight in yards per route run. Number two in yards after the catch per reception. Number one in yards per carry based on that awesome, like, 60-yard run he got. I mean, they lined the dude up as a running back, and they just gave him a toss sweep, and he freaking busted it down the sideline. Just a complete freak of nature tight end. The targets are concerning. Again, anyone outside of A.J. Brown I do worry about. And Anthony Ferkser was stealing snaps and targets alike last year. John, who has caught five passes in just four of 50 career games, but hey, that's a tight end too. Like this is exactly the type of athletic monster you want to bet on. I am fine going at Johnu, you know, in that tight end 15 or so range. I have some dudes ahead of him we'll mention in a second, but all for buying Johnu at his current value. So fancy ranks on these guys. I have Tannehill as my QB 21, one spot behind Gardner Minshew, one spot ahead of Kirk Cousins. I just don't really want these quarterbacks in run-first offenses if I can avoid it. Uh, Derrick Henry is my RB7. I had him as the RB6 for a lot of the offseason. I end up moving Kenyon Drake one spot ahead of him. I just think Drake has the clearer potential path to a three-down roll, even if Henry has the higher overall touch ceiling. I do have Henry one spot ahead of Joe Mixon. Wouldn't necessarily disagree with anyone for flipping those two. Uh, A.J. Brown is my wide receiver nine. I'm all over this guy, fam. It's it's up there. You know, he's one spot behind Kenny Galladay, one spot ahead of Chris Goblin. I just want to be early to the A.J. Brown parade. Again, I'm betting on the talent big time. It's scary. This is my exception to the rule in 2020. Corey Davis is my wide receiver. 64, uh, one spot ahead of Randall Cobb, one spot behind Robbie Anderson. Mentioned the volume concerns there. Johnny Smith is my tight end, 16, one spot behind TJ Hawkinson, one spot ahead of Hayden Hurst. Hey, I mean, he is talented enough to make the most out of minimal target share. And that's that, everyone. Uh, the win total for the Titans is 8.5. They rebound pretty much the whole roster. Man, though, you know, we talk about this every single year. It's not like we're going to get a repeat of all the playoff teams moving forward again. Maybe the Patriots are the team to drop out from last year. Maybe it's the Texans. Maybe it's the Bills. I do tend to think it's the Titans. You know, Kevin Byer, one of the most underrated players in the game. Maybe the defense can just kind of continue to, I think, outperform the sum of its parts. But it's just expecting Tannehill to again work as one of these top quarterbacks in the entire league is a little too much of a leap of faith for me to make. I'm going to take under the 8.5 win total. Honestly, I would say the AFC South out of all these divisions is maybe the one I'm least confident in projecting, you know, the, the top one through four order. But I would have to go with the under here, 8.5. So thank you all for tuning in. This has been the 2020 Tennessee Titans Fantasy Football Team Preview. I am Ian Harditz, and I hope all of you have a great rest of your day.